Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933. Online at mypremierortho.com. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about Indiana's growing issues with its infrastructure. We have three guests with us in the studio today. Bill Williams is here. Bill is the Monroe County engineer. Uh, Dennis Falkenberg is president of Appian Transportation Advisors, but also is the former deputy commissioner and chief financial officer of the Indiana Department of Transportation. And also with us today is Tim Maloney, senior policy director for the Hoosier Environmental Council. A little bit later in the program, we'll be joined by Michael Winning, who is on the board of directors of the American so- Society of Civil Engineers. He worked on the report card, uh, the recent report card that graded Indiana's infrastructure. Structure. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348. And the website is wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to join the live chat. So, uh, Hi, Bob. Hi, Mary Catherine. Welcome. Welcome back. Thank happy, you. Happy birthday. Mary Catherine had a big birthday <laughs> yes. last week. <laughs> it was big, and, all right. And all three of you, thank you for being here with us today. I know Tim's been here before. Bill, is this yes. your first time? I've been You've here, been here, here one other time. I, think mm-hmm. I, I thought I remember that. And Dennis, I think you're the... This is your first time. I'm the rookie with you. You're the rookie. Okay. Well, we're going to start out with the rookie then. Um, you know, we've we've talked. We're going to talk about infrastructure, and I think what really brought this issue sort of uh, into the limelight is the Sherman Minton Bridge in in New Albany uh, that connects Indiana and, and Kentucky over the Ohio River, and it's been shut down, and it's going to be shut for six months, and it's uh, it's causing quite uh, a lot of problems down there for travelers. Um, is did, let, let me just ask it this way: Did that that closing surprise you? And and what do you think is the state of the infrastructure, bridges and whatnot in the state of Indiana? I think it surprised everybody. Um, the the thing that was good that it was not a surprise is uh, the process that's in place for inspecting bridges in Indiana. Um, obviously worked. They found it before something catastrophic happened, but it did show that. There, there is uh, real potential for bad things to happen, and so it's so important to be on top of that inspection process, and congratulations to NDOT uh, for, for being on top of it and finding it. Um, as for that brought it to light, some of us, and maybe as I call myself a highway nerd, uh, have been on top of this for a long time, saying uh, there's lots to be done out there, and uh, lots has been done, but lots more to be done. It didn't take that to tell us. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots needs to be done. I have a lot of questions about this because I know you know there are a lot of bridges out there, and so I assume that the state is responsible for some in DOT, and then uh, local counties are responsible for other ones. Is that right, Bill? Exactly. There's around 13,000 county bridges throughout the state. Wow, that's a lot. And usually the counties uh, typically are responsible for those bridges that are inside cities limits that have a span greater than 20 feet. For instance, we had a bridge project down at uh, Second and Walnut here a few years back that a lot of people remember, and that, that, was, that was one of ours. So. Yeah, I drove over that one a lot, a lot of times, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Well, okay, so then wait, I got another follow-up sure. to this then. So I imagine that there is a list then that exists um, based on these inspections that, that you just made reference to, um, r- kind of rating or ranking the condition or viability is not really the right word, but but the condition of these bridges, I assume the state maintains such a list and then builds the count. Do counties also maintain such lists? Actually, there's a joint list, if you will, that's also that's submitted to the Federal Highway Administration. As Dennis mentioned, there's a, an inspection done on all bridges uh, every two years, a very detailed inspection. 
and uh, that information is collected and submitted to the, through the state to the Federal Highway Administration. And each, each structure is given a sufficiency rating from zero to 100, with 100 being perfect. Zero, of course, not not a good situation. Wear <laughs> <laughs> so, your swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, even 20 or 30 is not a good situation, yeah. but uh, they're ranked in, in that manner. So then the feds are really, they oversee all the bridges, Yes. Yes. Okay. And then, all right. So that makes sense. Go ahead. Well, they, have, they have some oversight, I guess. Bill Williams oversees Monroe County and Bridges. He's ultimately responsible. Mm-hmm. And the Indiana Department of Transportation is responsible for its 5,000. The feds just sort of in an afterview oversight capacity. It is the hands-on responsibility of Indiana officials, not someone from Washington. Okay. Well, I was just going to mention, I think the, the term is structurally deficient is one of the terms that, that's used. <laughs> and in uh, five years ago, uh, there was a study five years ago, and I think 11 percent of Indiana's bridges were structurally deficient. And I, I believe if I, if I just saw another study that it's about the same in 2010. So what happens when a bridge winds up on that list? Is it automatically closed or – No, uh, because it, it can be – have a variety of things that may be causing it to get on the structurally deficient list. It, uh, and you can still have a weight, you know, still maintain the, the school bus loading, for instance, and it won't be a danger. But it, what it does bring to our attention that we need to make repairs uh, and, you know, definitely get it done soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Tim, I want to bring Tim Maloney on here from the Hoosier Environmental Council. Um, what's your sort of take on this? What's your interest in this from the Environmental Council's perspective? Well, Bob, our interest in uh, sustainable and balanced transportation systems has led us to look more carefully at at the state of transportation spending and infrastructure in Indiana. And so we've been following now very closely for a couple of years the the balance of of transportation spending and uh, the impact that's had on our infrastructure. For example, we'd like to see greater state investment in – uh, in public transit, uh, urban transit systems like the one here in Bloomington that uh, is a very successful system, uh, or um, and also um, do more to um, develop intercity uh, high-speed passenger rail, which has been a big emphasis of this administration, and a lot of new funding has been available for that, yet Indiana has uh, has historically neglected their role in in uh, supporting passenger rail, and we think to the detriment of uh, transportation um, choices for Hoosiers. So that's caused us to look into this, and then uh, also along with our you know longstanding interest in the Interstate 69 project and the. Um, uh, tremendous amount of state resources that are being dedicated uh, to that one project while at the same time we see all these other uh, road and bridge needs around the state that um, uh, are not being met. Mm-hmm. And so that um, uh, has led us to look more carefully and produce several reports about uh, our take on on transportation spending and the effect of I-69 on the availability of money to deal with Sherman Minton Bridge or the Klein Avenue Bridge in northwest mm-hmm. Indiana or some of the other uh, both state and local projects that are getting uh, getting delayed or deferred because of funding problems. Well, I, I knew that was uh, you know one of your major issues, and I'm glad you brought it up. We don't want to turn this into an I-69 program today, but but it does affect a lot of what you – as you said, some of the studies you've done and whatnot. So hopefully we can get into those a lot more. Let me give our phone numbers again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the local area. Also, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is our website if you want to join a live chat or ask a question. Uh, Michael Winning has joined us on the phone. Uh, Michael is, as I said before, is on the board of directors for the American Society of Civil Engineers. He worked on the report card that graded Indiana's infrastructure. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Hey, thanks for being here. Can you talk about the uh, the report card and how you went about putting together that study that uh, graded Indiana's infrastructure? Sure. Um, this was done over about a year and a half period uh, by a group of uh, 30 members of our society, um, rated um, a total of seven different areas. Um, the two that 
are most pertinent to what you're talking about today are the roads and the bridges. Uh, we compiled um, publicly available data. We didn't create our own data on that and then just uh, ranked all the different areas depending on the data that we received. Mm-hmm. And, and so how, did, how was Indiana's overall rank and how does it compare with other states to your knowledge? The, um, the overall grades that, that we got for Indiana, um, I believe, was a D, a D plus, excuse me. Uh, nationally, that average is a D, so we rank better than the average. Wow, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you there was a lot of work to be done. <laughs> Suddenly, I want to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so is, is this... Uh, are the bridges the the key area, or or the roads factor in just as as equally? Uh, well, they they all ranked in there. Um, the bridges we ended up with a C plus uh, overall uh, for the state, which is uh, better than many states. Uh, roads were a C minus, and um, I guess one thing that I'd like to point out on those grades is that there's. But one of the things we found is that there's a marked difference between the state highway system, uh, the U.S. routes and the interstates, and the local system uh, that the counties and the cities maintain. And uh, if we had split out the grades on the road system, we might have ended up with something close to an A for the state system, but a failure for the, uh, the local system. Oh, boy. Now, Bill, Bill might want to respond to that. <laughs> I, I agree with Michael. Do you? Totally. Yeah. Uh, the funding, you know, we're, we're operating basically at the same funding level we received in 2002 and, you know, almost 10 years ago. And so material materials have increased. And it, it's, it's tough to try to keep, a, in our case, a 700-mile system together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And, that, yeah, it's Bill Wilson, the Monroe County uh, Highway Engineer. So, um all right, so on this, uh, so we got C plus for bridges and C minus for roads. Yet the overall grade is is D plus. Well, the other ones that we uh, we looked at were aviation, okay, dams, drinking water, rail, and wastewater. And uh, in particular, um, dams. We don't even know what the situation on a lot of the dams are in the in the state uh, because of lack of um, uh, ability to even check on a lot of the locally owned dams, mm-hmm. um, wastewater, water. We have um, uh, a lot of water in the state, uh, but we have an old system uh, providing that. And uh, wastewater, we have a lot of uh, combined uh, sewer overflows throughout the state, probably one of the biggest numbers per state in the country. Mm-hmm. So those, uh, those affect our, uh, our rivers and streams. Michael, I thought there was a, a federal uh, mandate to get the uh, stormwater overflow situation squared away in the near future. There is, and there's a lot of work being done in that. Um, the data that we collected, um, depending on which area that it was in, was everything from like 2007 to 2009 data. Mm-hmm. Those CSO um, corrections uh, are being done over the next 10 or 15 years. Some are in place or are being built now. Uh, so if we look at these in a couple of years or a number of years, as long as the investment in them can maintain those um, anticipated fixes, uh, we should get better grades. That's good to hear. Yeah, I want to ask um, about dams because I think that's that's one of those issues. We, had, you know, if a, if a dam fails, it can create all sorts of havoc for people. Um, the, the dams that you're able to uh, inspect or that are able to be inspected in Indiana, do those? I mean, are, well, let me back up and say, you know, there are some that are, are big dams that are built by uh, I'm not sure the state or or so, some major. Builder, and there are a lot of dams that are built on property that uh, might be damming up an area for a lake or a pond. I mean, do you look at? Are you considering all of those dams? Yes, uh, DNR um, uh, Department of Natural Resources uh, is tasked with looking at all of those dams. Uh, the biggest problem they have is that seventy percent of those dams are privately owned, and so there is no state or federal um, system to, to help the uh, landowners improve the, or increase the safety of those dams. Um, they also have um, mandates for uh, emergency action programs or plans in case uh, there were a dam failure. And um, 
I believe Indiana has one of the lower percentages of um, dams that actually have those created for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Bill, I wanted to go back to you because we, you're talking about funding issues, your same funding level as 2002. Where does your money come from? It, our, our money uh, comes from a variety of sources, but the majority of our road monies, uh, that all comes basically from the gasoline tax, mm-hmm. 18-cent gasoline tax that's mm-hmm. distributed between the state and a number of other entities, almost 300 if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So quite a few people. And as <clears throat> as Bill mentioned that Local governments are back to 2002, 2003 levels of funding from that. It's, it's been caused by the improvements in fuel efficiency of vehicles, uh, less driving, less freight moving because of the economy, of uh, diesel tax moving freight. Um, and that's where the majority of the money comes from, and that is down at the state and the local level as well as federal. Mm-hmm. And, and even with the toll lease and Indiana getting a lot of money out of the major moves toll lease deal, Indiana still is 40 percent, uh, relies 40 percent of our total construction budget on federal funding. And of all that federal funding, 25 percent goes to local governments. So federal is seeing the same thing. Congress is in the eighth extension of the federal highway bill because there's not enough money to go around. Mm-hmm. And you can't get a majority of Congress to vote on a compromise plan that satisfies 50 states without enough money to make it work for everyone. Mm-hmm. They're looking been- at a 30 percent reduction in federal funds right now. Mm-hmm. Even with the stimulus plans, yeah, you're shaking Stimulus your is outside of all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the federal funding that comes to NDOT and local governments is out of the Highway Trust Fund, which is supported uh, by gas and diesel taxes, user fees on trucks and cars. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, so the we've talked about dams. Uh, which, one, which ones of these – got the lowest grades if it sounds like bridges might have done pretty well with the c plus <laughs> bridges did we have um with that there, there's a uh, almost eighteen thousand five hundred bridges in the state uh, of those a little over four thousand of those are considered deficient um which is about twenty two percent or whatever and if you take a seventy seven percent being sufficient, then you know that, that gives us the grade that we, we got for that one. Mm-hmm. The lowest ones that we got were the, the wastewater because of the, uh, the CSO problem and the dams. Mm-hmm. And those both received D minuses. Wow. Okay. Michael, at the beginning of the show, Bob introduced this topic as a, as a growing problem. Do you and, and your other uh, Society of Engineer members agree with that, civil engineers? Oh, definitely. Uh, like has been said before, the, the funding levels... Um, I believe the last time the federal gas tax, uh, just talking about transportation alone, last time that tax was raised was 1993, uh, when uh, we got the 18 cents um, per gallon uh, for Indiana gas tax. That was back in 2003, and at that time gasoline was a dollar 72 a gallon. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know what what what's been said before is exactly right. This this is but this is an across the board problem. We have, the country. Yeah, we have, we have a phone call now, so let's go to Lyle from Nashville. Lyle? Yes. Um, there's a, a bridge on a creek, on uh, across the creek, I should say, on Helmsburg Road between Grandma Barnes Road and Morrison Roads in Brown County. And the weather has washed this bridge out so badly that along one side, the whole section of the bridge, which it only, only crosses a creek, so it isn't all that wide, but there's about a foot or a foot-and-a-half wide section that's just gone, and you can see the steel reinforcement rods and even see the old bleached-out decayed wooden frame the thing was built on in the first place. And the the uh, rails on each side actually shake. I mean, a child can move them. And a school bus goes across that every day. Now, who would a local person call, or is there a number that, you know, a person like myself who's concerned could call and actually get some attention to this yeah i would call you uh the uh, brown county highway department uh the gentleman's name there is his real name is eluding uh, me right now but it, it's just ask for Smokey, okay. and he's the highway superintendent there and he'll he'll fix you right up he'll go out and take a look at it i can't believe this thing was was inspected within two years and passed anything it's just incredible and 
and they're, they're you know, over, like you mentioned, rain events every now and then uh, they can uh, cause some surprises like that. So it, it'd be a good idea, you know, you having first-hand knowledge of I it sure to notify will. them. Well, thanks so much. All Thank right, Lyle. Thanks for your call, Lyle. Great question. Thank you. Eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the local calling area and wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to join a live chat. Um, Michael, I wanted to go back to you and ask about the costs of these bad roads to, to Hoosiers. I think your study or your report card had something to say about that. We actually went beyond the report card. Uh, ASCE has been doing the report card for a number of years, um, and the grades nationally haven't really changed that much over that time. So um, we decided to look at it from another aspect here recently, and we're currently have commissioned studies in a number of areas uh, to find out what what happens if you don't make these investments. And uh, we've recently received the, the first report, which is dealing with roads and bridges. Um, and what they find is that over the next 10 years, if you don't um, increase funding uh, into maintenance of roads, the average American family would earn about $700 less each year and spend an approx- uh, approximately $360 more uh, on repairs and uh, cost of goods. Um, that across America, we would probably lose about 877,000 jobs. Um, global exports would decrease. Um, it, it was a lot more dire than even we anticipated uh, if the investment if some level of investment is not continued to be made. Do, do you make a recommendation as to how to increase the amount of money that's available for these kinds of things? The, the problem is we don't see one solution mm-hmm. uh, to that. And, and we're like everybody else. We don't have a crystal ball to try and figure out how to, how to fund this. Um, the gas tax has been the traditional source, and, and we would support an increase in that because something has to be done. Uh, what we did with the toll road, um, the leasing of that and pouring that back into um, the, the roads and bridges uh, was a great um, influx of, of dollars in Indiana and, and will definitely affect the, the future scores here. Um, Private-public partnerships have been looked at, uh, bonding, uh, all sorts of other things, but, but even those, you have to pay those back at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the, the hard, cold facts are if more money is needed, it's got to come from somewhere, and everything's going to cost uh, people some, some more. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you go at the break. Just wondered, wondered if you had any other, uh, any other summary thoughts about uh, the infrastructure issues before we let you go. It's just that, um, and I didn't catch the very first part of your, your talks here, but um, I don't think for the... Even though we have 25% or 22% deficient bridges in the state, doesn't mean that all of those are unsafe to drive across. Uh, we have systems in place, uh, even on the Sherman Minton Bridge. I believe that was a, a standard inspection they did when they found the problems. Uh, so engineers are going out every two years looking at every bridge um, to try to make sure that they are safe for the traveling public. And um, you know, we, we have a lot of work ahead of us to do. Uh, but I wouldn't be afraid to drive to work tomorrow. Okay. That's great. All right, Michael. Thanks a lot to Michael Winning. He's uh, been with us from Indianapolis. He's uh, on the board of directors for the American Society of Civil Engineers and worked on the report card that graded Indiana's infrastructure. Wouldn't you hate to have been the guy who had to call to NDOT and go, um, yeah, we're going to have to shut this bridge down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been yeah, bad that, news. That's a hard bad phone call indeed. to make. Right. Well, we'll be back with uh, Dennis Falkenberg, Tim Maloney, and Bill Williams after a short break. You're listening to Noon, Noon Edition. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, information at smithville.net, and from Premier Ortho, online at mypremierortho.com. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, 
and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game musical mini quiz, and play and opera reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we are talking about Indiana's growing infrastructure issues. We have three guests with us in the studio. Bill Williams, Monroe County's highway engineer. Dennis Falkenberg, president of Appian Transportation Advisors and formerly the deputy commissioner and chief financial officer of the Indiana Department of Transportation. And Tim Maloney, senior policy director for the Hoosier Environmental Council. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 and the web address wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to join a live chat. You can also follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So Tim, I wanted to go to you because I know you uh, one of the things you mentioned before uh, with I-69 and, and the Hoosier Environmental Council's opposition is that it costs a lot of money and we were talking before the break about where you get money mm-hmm. to, to fund all these infrastructure issues. So I wanted to give, give you a chance to respond to that. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, we just recently produced a report uh, looking at the um, – comparing the amount of available uh, road funding uh, over the next couple of years in Indiana, which average, is going to average about a billion dollars a year. And given the way things are going, that, that may be even less than that. Uh, and um, – uh, that's the money that's available for all the uh, repairs and upgrades and new construction on state and interstate highways. In What's Indiana. that number again? About a billion a year. Okay. Uh, and it's state and federal gas tax dollars. And of that billion dollars a year, over the next two years, uh, the state's planning to spend about $450 million, almost a half billion, on building the section of I-69 from Crane to Bloomington. And that's all going to have to come out of that pot of, of undedicated gas tax dollars that's used for everything else. And, and in 2013, that percentage is, is almost 30 percent of available funding. So uh, it's like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to acknowledge how, given that what we've heard the first part of the show about just how dire our situation with with funding going down and the needs uh, increasing uh, that uh, we can dedicate that amount of money to one project and not expect it to make the situation worse around the state for keeping up with all these other needs. I, we just don't think that's that's possible. And uh, so that uh, we think everyone who's concerned about the quality of their uh, and safety of their bridges and roads and are your potholes getting fixed or your bridges in Brown County um, where they don't even have any paving money for next year. That's where I live. And you have counties talking about reverting to gravel roads mm-hmm. all it's over happening. the state and it's happening. Uh, you know, to, to build a road that's going to be lightly used and uh, – uh, is so controversial and so environmentally damaging and and devote all that money to it, uh, we just think should be reevaluated given given the current situation because uh, you can't ignore the amount of money that's being spent on that. Dennis? I think, I think mainly our focus here is about the safety of the infrastructure. I-69 is about building something new, and that's a different discussion to me, and we could have – quite the debate about priorities around the state for new stuff. I work on the US-31 project, uh, freeway to South Bend. Um, You know, I think from what Tim said, your listener probably thinks the bulk of the major moves money in DOT's new stuff has gone to I-69. In fact, US-31 to South Bend has been the biggest project that has been be, uh, built with the toll lease funds over a to billion. To South Bend, between where and where? Indianapolis to South Bend freeway. 
uh, $1.2 billion of that toll lease money. And if we, if you heard clearly what our call or what our uh, uh, folks uh, from the American Civil Engineers Society a while ago said on their grading of our roads, the really bad situations are the local roads, not the state. Uh, the state has its needs; you, it, it always will. But theirs, I think, he said, were basically an A uh, mm-hmm. grade, whereas locals are more like an F, and we average that D plus or a C. Um, so NDOT has been doing a good job managing its priorities for preservation and keeping its roads in good condition and safe. To me, it's the local roads. Uh, what are we going to do about that? These guys are broke. Mm-hmm. Tim? Uh, well, just some other thoughts about that. Um, number one, as, as part of the Major Moves program, the real uh, impact that that had on, on state road funding is on new construction. And um, we're, if you look at NDOT's own graphs about spending over time on preservation versus new construction, the preservation amount of spending has not changed substantially compared to what's being spent on new construction. So that's, again, uh, a question of where you put your priorities, like Dennis said, but it's entirely appropriate to this discussion about whether we're taking good care of the roads we have right now. And And number two is that uh, the state also provides support for local roads and streets, and that level of support has been declining uh, during the period of major moves. And so that's also a legitimate topic for discussion, Should this, given the huge backlog in local road and street repair needs, should the state of Indiana be dedicating more of those state funds uh, to support local roads and streets mm-hmm. uh, versus... Uh, continuing to emphasize so much on new construction, which uh, over the long term exacerbates the problem because you have more lane miles to maintain mm-hmm. then in the future. And if you can't, if you don't have funding to keep up with what you have now and you build more, uh, you're just making the problem worse. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of the things, though, that I think is fuzzy about <clears throat> the whole major move spending and it being directed way too much to uh, new stuff uh, that you just heard. Um, the the projects that were built with the toll lease money, major moves, a lot of what's being done there as a new project, new capacity, also took care of a lot of preservation and maintenance issues. Uh, 650 NDOT state bridges were rehabilitated as they came through and built the new stuff. So it took care of that. Uh, 3,400 miles of roads were repaved of existing roads. So we took care of a lot of existing bridge and road problems along the way in reusing those and working them into the new project. So So it's a bit of an accounting discrepancy is the way I would look at it. Just to clarify, too, by definition now, would the upgrades that are going on currently, in fact, along um, I-465 around Indianapolis, uh, there are lanes being added. Does that get counted as a new construction or as an up? That's being called new major uh, moves project, but there's a lot of bad pavement there's being replaced. So it took care of a huge preservation problem. you got bridges along there being built, taking care of bad bridge situations, too. So it really gets fuzzy there. All right. Our our phone numbers again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348. Outside of the Bloomington area, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is uh, the web address if you want to join a live chat or send in a question uh, that way. But we have about 20 minutes on the show, and we have three great guests here today that will answer all your questions or uh, listen to all your comments about these infrastructure issues. I want to go to Bill, who hasn't been in this debate. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> talk, to, talk, to, talk to you about, you know, how are you, you know, the, the, uh, you, know you agreed with what Michael said about county roads and county infrastructure being the big problem. How, you know, that, that's your responsibility. How do you go about trying to make sure you can get a Band-Aid on everything? Uh, that's about the approach that we have to take. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing that we do, and a lot of counties do, I believe about half the counties in Indiana have adopted the wheel tax, which is a local tax that you pay when you buy your license plates. In this county, it's $25, or for a truck, it's 40 So that that helps, you know, the city, county, and towns here, uh, you know, throughout with about a million and a half a year. Mm-hmm. 
That was my next question. It seemed like the obvious thing to have to do. But unfortunately, not all, you know, not all counties do it or, you know, have adopted it. And that gets used as a hammer against us, if you will, when we go talk to the legislature, uh, you know, about a possible gas tax increase for us. However, other communities use their CUNCAP development funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, for road in- improvements and things like that. So there's there's a whole host of different uh, possibilities, you know, for for locals to help themselves out. Yeah, with with all the all the miles that you're responsible for and all the bridges and how many bridges are there in Monroe County? 140. 140 bridges. I mean, if somebody like uh, Lyle who called earlier about Brown County, if somebody calls you about a a bridge that seems to be in some kind of disrepair. Uh, I assume you would go out and look at it immediately. And, immediately, and then you know what? What's what are the next steps? Well, it, it just depends. I mean, if we see something, you know, that needs a little bit more uh, thought put into it, well, we we have on retainer a structural engineer out of Indianapolis, Beam Longus and F. They pro- they've provided our inspection for several years, and we'll have their structural engineer come down and take a, a real detailed look at it. Mm-hmm. But usually we can, you know, we can see what's going on with the with the problem. I, we, you know, we did have a situation here, probably about five or six years ago on North Walnut Street. Uh, the one of the bridge panels just burst over the weekend. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was Labor Day weekend, and kids were coming back to school, and we had to close the ramp down. So uh, that was a no brainer when you have a hole open up uh, the size of this table. Uh, in, in the middle of a bridge deck, so yeah, uh, it's and, easy to call. And then everybody those. says, "Wow, why didn't it, they fix this during the you know the summer?" Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have family that live in, are in the Greenfield area, and they've experienced the they built a house on a road that was paved, and and now it's gravel, exactly. and which is such a weird thing. You know, you think of uh, all of us always you know improving things. Well, no, they had to make a conscious choice to to turn it back to gravel because, of course, it's I guess easier to maintain gravel not much to it mm-hmm. do you see that in monroe county's future if funding levels don't increase there's no question about it i mean we have all but 54 miles of our 700 miles are paved mm-hmm. and um it there's no question uh, if if given increases in in uh, material cost and our revenues going in the tank uh, we won't have any other choice wow we have a, a question that's been uh, sent in to us by one of our uh, our favorite listeners. says, who decides what roads in the county get resurfaced? That is uh, done by John Chambers. Uh, he's our highway superintendent. He puts together a list uh, based off of, you know, looking at it every year. Uh, he maintains that list and reviews it with the county board of commissioners. Mm-hmm. And they give the ultimate approval for him for his program for every year. Mm-hmm. Dennis, uh, same question to you about state projects. I mean, who who ultimately decides, and how how is it decided which state projects go on the calendar first? Well, there's a statewide planning process that's initiated by the six districts around the state of Indiana, and districts that are geographically laid out. Um, recommendations come up through those uh, to the central office. They have a um, hearings, uh, planning, input meetings locally in all of the districts, and that input is fed up uh, mm-hmm. and, and decided centrally. And what about the governor's office? Does it get involved at, at some point? For I mean, you know, it's it's traditionally been yeah. very supportive of the, uh, or not traditionally, but all along been very success, supportive of the I-69 yeah. project, and it could be argued that, you know, really pushed that to happen. I think the last four governors have said I-69 is a priority. This governor has actually moved some dirt. Uh, that The engineers and the planners over there certainly hear that. Uh, it's been a while since I've been over there, so I can't say definitively what's going on right now. But my experience, and I worked through five governors, was they don't mess with the highway engineer. They, they don't want a, an engineer saying, hey, you said you didn't want that bridge work done. So um, they, they let the professionals handle it for the most part. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a phone call, and it's Doug. Doug? Hi there. Uh, nice to talk to you guys. Um, the subject of the wheel tax was brought up a minute or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, could anybody there address the issue um, why motorcycles are taxed the same rate automobiles are? I think I'm too few wheels. <laughs> I understand. Uh, 
that uh, there's like 13 different vehicle classifications that are addressed in the wheel in the uh, tax, if you will, and uh, the county council at the time, back in 2004, I believe it was when it was raised to the, to the level that we have now. Uh, we were looking at everything we could do to increase, you know, improve our roadway system and increase the revenues. So uh, even though it, it's not a weight tax, if you will. So you're you're enjoying the same smooth road that a four wheel vehicle is, and so we we right. well I would hope so. <laughs> so if I were to put training wheels on my old motorcycle, aside from looking a bit odd, I would be within the law. Hmm. I'm not really sure I understand your you, question. You'd pay the same tax. Yes, yeah, the tax would be the same. All right. I guess that, yeah. Tax would be the same. We don't know if he's within the law or not. We don't have any uh, law people here today. All right. The phone numbers again. We have about 10 more minutes. 855-811-877-285-9348. WFIU.org slash noon edition if you want to join a live chat. Um, I want to talk about dams a little bit. And I, I wanna, I'm looking at Tim here because it seems like, um, you know, for the Hoosier Environmental Council, any dams that would uh, fail could create a lot of environmental damage. Is this something that, you, that the uh, Hoosier Environmental Council considers or gets involved with in any way? We keep an eye on it from a distance. Um, one of the, the issues with dams that's come up recently has been a, a national evaluation of the dams that are used in uh, – lagoons or impoundments for uh, coal combustion waste from burning coal in power plants. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was that well-publicized instance right. in Tennessee a couple years ago. And uh, while we don't have any facilities uh, at that scale in Indiana, we do have some smaller uh, lagoons um, where this waste is stored. And uh, uh, some of those dams are have been rated as high-hazard dams. And so uh, that's something to be concerned about um, but by and large, in terms of looking at the, the, the bigger dams on, say, reservoirs, what have you, I, I don't think that we've um, been aware of, of major problems with those kind of really large facilities that um, could really create a lot of havoc mm-hmm. if they were to fail. Bill, do you, do you get involved with this, or is there somebody else in the county that would hand, that would be uh, concerned about you know dam inspections? It would be Todd Stevenson, our drainage engineer, and I know that he'd been working with a couple of people from DNR in the last few years uh, that was doing some inspections in the county. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I know uh, you know that uh, bring that up because of course this our program's about the growing infrastructure issues. We've spent most of our time and we'll spend probably the rest of our time on bridges and roads, but those aren't the only things. I know when, you know, when Michael Zani also talked about drinking water, which is a, mm-hmm. you know, crucial issue for all of us. Um, and uh, how about that with the Hoosier Environmental Council? I mean, that's, that's got to be a major environmental issue. Yes, yeah. Bob, we're very interested in both drinking water infrastructure and wastewater infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I know Michael was talking about the, the CSO problem and uh, at Indiana has uh, historically had a, just over a hundred communities with CSO problems and CSO. You... Uh, it's a combined sewer overflow okay. where during rainfall uh, uh, sewage mixes with stormwater and goes directly into waterways and creates a real ha- health hazard and uh, and so I'm glad that that their report has looked at that because that's another huge infrastructure need that's not getting the attention it should get and. We do hear a lot about roads and bridges, but um, our wastewater systems are, are extremely critical both to, to public health and the environment, but also economic development and, and jobs. So uh, that's another area where, um, you know, our really as a nation, we're not keeping up with investment needs in, in infrastructure of all kind. And, and globally, we're falling behind our uh, the nations that we compete with, uh, because we don't invest enough in infrastructure. So we're, uh, I anticipate that we'll be looking even more at uh, the water infrastructure issue and and how we deal with that need as well. 
I don't know if any of you are going to want to tackle this or not, but you know, in, in these this day and age, we have um, a real polarized political uh, system. It seems to me, not much is getting done, and the state and well, I, sh- I shouldn't say it that way, but it's difficult to get things done at the state and national level. The economy's in the tank, so there aren't as many dollars available. I mean, do you have uh, things that you'd like to say to our state or uh, federal? Um, Lawmakers about you know this, the the coming uh, issues with infrastructure and how important they are to get those things solved. Dennis, I, I I'm going to turn to you first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People want their they want good infrastructure. They want theirs fixed. They want their problem fixed. Um, and I think they're willing to pay for it. You know, tax is a bad word. Uh, wheel tax is just an unfortunate name. I think the motorcycle caller thought he ought to pay half the tax of a car because he has half the wheels. Uh, it's sort of an admission tax to our roadway system, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I would, I would advise our policymakers, as you look to find a way to solve this really, really tough problem, try to maintain the user fee concept. Those who use pay. As we start dipping into general funds, as the federal government has started doing into the highway fund, because they didn't have the courage to to raise the money from the users of the federal highways, um, the the trust funds started going broke, so they'd throw in general fund money. So there's less ownership in the system, in the revenue that it generates. So it just starts to compete with everything else. And so – as as I, as a user, I'm worried that is my gas tax really going to go to my roads or is it going to go off to, God love them, clean air programs, uh, coffee cups and cheap keychains for traffic safety folks. Um, uh, there, there's a variety. 125 federal programs have proliferated from the federal highway program that used to be build the interstate system, build and maintain it. And as that degenerates into this multitude of all good things, but when you start running out of money as we have now, you better focus it and and focus it and make the users pay. I think the users are willing to pay if they know what they pay is going to go on their roads. I'm going to give you, you two guys a shot in a minute, but we have a phone call, so we'll go to Joseph first on the phone. Joseph? Yes, I was wondering, you were talking about user's fee, and I know in Europe a lot of countries have a bicycle tax, and they're plated, and they have to pay that tax, so they're using the roads, too, and maybe a tax and a license tax and a wheel tax would help defer that, and they'd behave less like um, cage-free chickens and more like responsible users of the road. Uh, your comment on that. Thank you. All right. Anybody want to take that, Bill? That had actually been brought up at um, one of our county council meetings. And uh, going back, I, I remember when I was a kid growing up here, we used to have to plate our bicycles. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, it wasn't much, maybe a dollar or something you bought at the police station, but uh, taking that revenue and possibly putting it towards bike trails and things along that line. But isn't it, I mean, isn't it true? Now, I, I understand Joseph's uh, concern, but isn't it true that, I mean, the Damage that creates um, the need to repair roads and infrastructure, bridges, doesn't come from bicycles. No, I don't. No, I'm, yeah. I'm sure of that. Right. Okay. But it's, use, it's still a use. It is a use. Yeah. That, that, that's true. I mean, if, you, if it's a, it, you know, if it's basically a, a ticket to get on the, the roads, yeah. it's mm-hmm. definitely a use. Yeah. And there, there's a cost. I'm an avid bicyclist myself, road biker. Uh, but a, a mile of bike lane, I believe, costs. About two hundred thousand dollars for the striping and oh, yeah, signs, really and uh, it, and it takes half a lane from a car, so it mm-hmm. becomes a capacity uh, a factor. So there there is a cost to the road system. No, I'm not tearing up the pavement with my with my uh, road bike. Right. You know, I, as as we're looking at creative ideas on on ways to to do this, um, you, you know, fix these roads, um, but pay. Equitably, as you mentioned, you know, the people who use – has technology been bandied – discussed as far as, you know, um, a way – and I'm sure it exists – to track how many hours a person spends on the road and then they would pay uh, a tax accordingly. Big That's brother. really a hot topic Big right brother. Now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Vehicle miles traveled tax is, is everyone's solution now of, wow, what are we going to replace a gas tax with? Uh, but technology is an issue. Um, 
There are pilot programs around the nation. Oregon is prominent in that. Uh, folks opted in voluntarily. The government didn't make them, but they opted into the system to have their mileage tracked. And when they went to the pump, they swiped a card out of the car, and it assessed them a, a per-mile fee. And so they paid in lieu of a gas tax, they paid a per-mile fee. We pay about a penny a mile on our Indiana tax now. So I could, I could swipe and pay my penny a mile on what I drove. Um, and the technology, you know, the government knows where I'm at right now sure. with my cell phone. Mm-hmm. If they want to know I'm in this room, they know I'm here. Uh, so the, They're just the, listening. The black <laughs> helicopter argument doesn't go far with me, but I, <laughs> I know uh, some folks are really worried about that, and we need to find a way to figure that out, and I think then we could really accurately determine who uses our roads, how much, and assess it fairly. Okay, we have two minutes to go, so one, one minute for Tim, one minute for Bill on that. Uh, policy question. Anything you want to say to our policymakers? Well, I would say a couple things. Um, number one, in, in times of um, uh, limited resources that you really need to prioritize uh, effectively and, and in our view, um, making sure we're taking care of the systems we have now, be it uh, water systems or roads and bridges, whatever, that that, that should be a priority in our uh, in our investments. And um, But I think we should look at it as an investment uh, infrastructure um, for a lot of reasons uh, and that uh, we do need to be creative. And I think all of us would probably agree here about the need to be uh, creative and come up with um, – uh, ways that we can fund responsible investment in infrastructure and and uh, make sure that's serving our needs. And so. Okay. All right. Bill? My main thing is just don't forget that we're here because, <laughs> it, it, you know, so many times uh, the, the legislature focuses on state issues mm-hmm. and they really forget about the local problems. Um, as Dennis had mentioned, that uh, we've been lucky to uh, maintain the inf- infrastructure and help you know, help build, uh, keep our economy going as as well as possible. But it really gets down, once they get off the state roads, they have local roads to travel. Mm-hmm. We've been lucky uh, out on the west side of town with the Curry Pike and Vernal Pike uh, uh, projects that's helped draw some new new folks to town to help, uh, you know, help our situation out here. So just don't right. forget about us. All right. Thanks a lot. I want to thank Bill Williams, Dennis Falkenberg, and Tim Maloney for being here with us today. For Mary Catherine Carmichael. Producer Gretchen Frazee and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho. 333-1933 online at mypremierortho.com